Hello and welcome to Out and About in Malovians. I'm your host, Jeremy Balfour. As part of my job as Member of the Scottish Parliament, I get to travel around Malovians, meeting interesting people and hearing about how the companies, charities and projects that they work for benefit and contribute to our community. On this podcast, I will share their stories. On today's episode, I'm looking forward to talking to Simon Gage from the Edinburgh Science Festival. Simon, we've probably all heard of the Science Festival, but maybe not everybody knows exactly what it is. So can Mm. you just kind of briefly tell us what is the Science Festival? Yeah, Science Festival, well, first of all, let's get some important news out here. Science Festival's are global things now, but they were invented in Edinburgh. 1989 was the world's first science festival, and it was uh, judged by the world to be a resoundingly good idea um, and got copied, and now there are thousands, and we've helped, helped set up some of them. But fu- fundamentally, a science festival is is for everybody. It's not for, your, for science geeks. It's not for people who've got a lot of knowledge about science and technology. It's it's for anyone that's interested in the natural world, I suppose, and that could include anyone that's interested in why their uh, why their pet is sick, why they've why they are sick, or what uh, what a dark dark energy is and dark matter is. What what's a black hole? What is the origin of the universe? You know, um, is AI going to take my job? All these sorts of things, or or, or even even sort of other things like why does um, a glass of wine made from the same vineyard two summers apart tastes totally different or how do you make cheese you know it, it's it's um science and technology gets into almost everything that we we do in our lives these days and it's just a sort of a playful accessible look at the the, the relationship between science and technology and our everyday life so uh, and it's very playful it's meant to be really easy to get into uh, and there's things for people of all ages. So the youngest people that come are three, and the oldest people that come are 93. So there's a real breadth of things. We we want it to be um, fun, so it's not serious. It's uh, there's a lot of serious content in there, but it's presented in a fun way. So uh, and a lot of it's very interactive. So rather than just talk about doing things, we try to get situations where people can actually do it for themselves. So if you want to um, program a robot, we'll get a robot and you can program it. And if you want to um, find out what it's like to float on the Dead Sea, we'll make a bit of the Dead Sea. And you can you can do it. So it's very interactive and, and engaging. And it happens for two weeks in and around Edinburgh every Easter holidays. So it's generally during the sort of the Easter holidays, almost always Lothian, um, Edinburgh Lothian holidays. And it's around the city. It's in the museum, it's in botanics, it's in dynamic earth, it's in the city arts centre, it's in 30 different venues across town, and there's about 200 events, and um, about 150,000 people show up for it. So it's obviously grown dramatically over the last 20, 30 years. I'm interested in your comment, because I think most of us who have kind of went through school, either you love science or you hate science. Yeah. Uh, but how do we make science more accessible? Because it's still seen as, you know, a slightly, I use the word, geeky subject if you're into physics or chemistry. Maybe not everybody does that at school anymore. Yeah, well, um, 
I suppose the thing that makes it accessible is, well, it's not in our power to change the curriculum. And the, 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 the curriculum is not bad. You know, there's, some, there's, there's plenty of good stuff in the curriculum. I think the thing that we can do is, is make people realise why they should care about science in the first place. And part of that is about linking what is in school called science to the sorts of problems people either want to be part of solving or care about. So if you, you know, if you care about the environment, if you care about climate change, or you care about conservation, or you think you want to work in a caring role later on in life, or you're, even if you're just interested in the chemistry of cooking, you know, these are all things rooted in some science and technology. Um, so I think it's, it's more about actually linking what might be rather traditionally categorised subjects at school to what you want to do with your life. What, what's your contribution you want to make as you grow up or, or, or as you go through your career? Um, and if you sort of start picking into that, you realise that a lot of the, 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 the careers and a lot of the problems we want to solve have, have a scientific and technological component to it. So that's part one, is sort of linking, making it relevant, I suppose. The, the other bit is to convince people that it actually isn't difficult. A lot of people think it's difficult. It's actually no harder than anything else. Um, I mean, different from some other subjects, but it isn't difficult. Um, so I think there's some degree of people being frightened off by it because they think you've got to be super brainy to do it or, 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 or whatever. So make it relevant and then make people realise that it's not not any harder than anything else and give them some... Ex so what we try to do is give people experiences of positive. So they think, oh, actually, yeah, yeah, I can do that. That's really easy. Uh, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to do more of it. And, and that's one of the maybe issues we face as a wider cultural context is that we're still struggling to get people into STEM subjects, yeah. going on to study at university, going on to do it. And particularly maybe ladies, girls get interested in it as well. Is that changing? Do you sense there's a change there or is there still work to be done? Uh, it ebbs and flows. There's definitely um, skill shortages. Uh, there's a persistent um, skill shortage when it comes to um, IT, for example. Lots and lots of people uh, who... I mean, there's, there's tens of thousands of empty jobs in Scotland and hundreds of thousands of empty jobs in the UK in, in the IT sector, they could be filled by anybody, anyone. Men, women, doesn't matter. Um, uh, and they're, they're well-paid jobs, interesting well-paid jobs. So it's a bit of a shame that that gap is, is not, not being filled. Engineering also is um, another area where <coughs> women are put off engineering a bit. See, it's a rather male-dominated area, but there are dozens of great jobs in engineering that are that, that are waiting for tons of people to go and um, fill. And so, yeah, broadly speaking, there's a there's a chronic shortage of people. And if you think about some of the transitions that we want to go through, like the transition to a low-carbon economy, for example, or uh, enhanced health provision. These are all areas that aren't going to happen at the speed we want to happen at unless we fill these skills gaps. Yeah, which is an interesting challenge for us going forward. Coming back to the festival, um, 
two weeks a year, as you said, around the Easter holidays. So presumably you have 50 weeks off for the rest of the year and yeah, you sit back. Just, yeah, yeah, just do nothing for 50 <laughs> weeks. It's amazingly brilliant. Yeah, it's the best job. Anyway. Uh, uh, not really, no. So um, so the fe- yeah, festival is a bit that people see, but in addition to that, we um, if you go through the calendar, so the festival ends in the middle of April. Throughout the summer, we're, we're, we're doing events with community groups. So we have a big uh, community outreach program, and so we're doing... Things uh, in Craig Miller, the Craig Miller and Nidri Festival. We're doing things at Muir House uh, at, the, at the community festivals. So we do work in the galas and things like that. We work with community groups throughout the year. Um, and we, in November of every year, we have this wonderful careers event called Careers Hive, which uh, is going to happen at the National Museum of Scotland this year. It's a week long event, open to schools during the week and the families during the weekend. Uh, and that's for as back to your earlier question. That's for S ones to S threes to try and persuade them that sorts of things that they care about. If they want to be have a role in that, then sticking with some science subjects is a great way of doing that. So that's really about trying to influence kids to stick with science subjects. And then um, in the spring, we we go on the road and we go around primary schools across the whole of Scotland on a massive scale, 10 teams out for 10 weeks, seeing, um, before COVID we were seeing 55,000 primary school kids. That's the UK's biggest touring program of science work. So we go into the classroom, we do workshops, we do shows, that these points of massive motivation, both for the pupils and for the teachers. Uh, and that, that goes on from February till June. So that's, so it's a pretty full year, actually. We're also doing a lot of climate work now, so not public-facing, but B2B, uh, working with businesses. We we've, uh, Last week we were in London running a climate discussion. So this is a high-level discussions to try to get people from different sectors to work together. So getting people from the governmental sector to have closer connections with the private sector and with the educational sector and so forth, to try and you know get people to move quicker to move us to a low carbon economy. And you said you do some work internationally as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've, um, we're regarded as, uh, as world leaders when it comes to science festival. And so when people want to put on something that resembles a science festival, uh, they ring us up. So we've had 10 years of running the Abu Dhabi Science Festival in the United Arab Emirates, and that's an amazing festival. On pause at the moment, COVID stopped it and uh, it hasn't come back yet. Uh, we're working in LA at the moment for a, on a big festival in 2024. We worked in a, the Dubai World Expo um, programming events. So yeah, we have discussions, connections going on constantly around the world. It's a it's a it's a substantial part of what we do. Um, it's I mean I. I think it's probably one of the largest cultural exports from Scotland that goes on. It, it's, you know, it's often not regarded as that, but it is a significant piece of work. There's millions of pounds worth of work going on in other countries, um, taking the expertise that we've acquired, taking Scottish science sometimes, and putting it in front of uh, other audiences. That's uh, great. It's really rewarding and stimulating to go and work with different cultures because they're often very different places when it comes to science and technology. They have different cultural perceptions of, of its relevance and of um, 
of how how it should be used. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a fascinating job. So how did somebody end up, or how did you end up doing this job? A little bit about about yourself. Yeah, well, I um, I was a scientist. I was a physicist, and I um, I did physics. I wanted to work in renewable energy. But I'm, I'm 60 now, this was 30 years ago, and there weren't many people who were terribly interested in renewable energy uh, in that phase, at that time. So uh, I jumped out of that and started working um, for the science vessel. I come from a family that's rooted in showbiz. So I have an actor, TV director, and a dancer for a father and a dancer for a mother. So I was sort of surrounded by people that put things on. So I got a little bit of an appetite for that. And then, miraculously, the city of Edinburgh creates this thing called Science Fest, where I think, oh, yeah, I'd like to have a shot at that. So I got a job as, as the lowest paid member of staff to start with. Uh, and then within five years, I was director of it, and um, I've been director ever since. Uh, and it's a very varied and rewarding job. It's great to keep connected to my science. I have to be across, in a very superficial way, you know, um, many areas of science, but equally, it's just important to know what a good show looks like, it's important to understand what our visitors and audiences want, and what our supporters want, because we're, we're an organisation that totally dependent upon the support of stakeholders to put it on, it's, you know, we're not paying for this through ticket money. Mm paying through it through you know the generosity of private companies and public public organizations so you've also been here quite a long time yeah um looking back a highlight is the one thing that kind of steps out in your mind where you thought wow that was something that was just brilliant well i think i think the highlight the, the highlight time is meeting people that have done extraordinary things and there have been quite a number People who have had ideas that have totally changed the way we see the world. People like, or, 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 or I mean, I mean, and they come in many forms. David Attenborough, for example, has totally changed the way we interact with the natural world, which has been wonderful. Um, a guy called James Lovelock, who came up with this incredible theory about how um, how life and the atmosphere and geology interact in such a way to sustain life on the planet. Totally radical idea, he had it, and he was proved right. People that have gone off and discovered the black holes in the middle of the universe. One of my, one of my favorite pictures of all time is um, was taken with a Hubble Space Telescope. There was a time when um, Hubble, Hubble in, once it was fixed, produced amazing images. And the, the, um, one of the best images, though, was taken by pointing the Hubble for a very long time at a dark piece of sky where there was nothing. And people thought, a lot of people thought, this is a waste of time. That we're just going to get a blank sheet, basically. They, they did this experiment, and the most incredible image came back of a dark piece of the universe actually teeming with, not just stars, with galaxies. There were 3,000 galaxies, or there are thousands of galaxies in this. And it was just sort of mind-blowing. And uh, we were running this event for the Science Festival. I ended up having supper with a bunch of astronomers. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, I worked on the uh, Hubble Space Telescope. I said, oh, amazing. My favorite image of my entire life comes from it. And he said, yeah, I took that. 
Wow. You know, you know, you meet the people yeah. who who have the boldness to mm-hmm. sort of think mm-hmm. we're gonna have a, we're gonna try that. So that's I suppose that's the the fun bit of of being in this role and the absolute pleasure is you meet people that have done extraordinary things. Um, but then it, there's another type of pleasure also, which is about putting things on that the public really, really love. Um, there was one, and it's not always part of our festival. So, for example, Hogmanay, we worked with Hog, the Hogmanay Festival, and we managed to get um, Tim Peake, mm. British astronaut, to send a New Year's message to the people of Scotland. And, you know, that was just, just something we have to have the connections in both the people that run in Hogmanay and, and the European Space Agency. And, uh, and we pushed for it, and it was hard work, but we, you know, he got it. And then at four minutes to midnight on the night he was in space, um, 65,000 people in the streets of Edinburgh have this amazing surprise where they say, we're now going over to Tim Peake, and there he is. You know, and then and they just go wild. Yeah. So you so you think they're you know when you create situations where you give people a moment of inspiration that they really appreciate, that's lovely. And it can be in that situation, or it can be in a primary school classroom at the end of a small track, you know, in the Highlands of Scotland. Just we're we'll coming to a very couple more questions. Are you are you optimistic about the future for science? Do you think? Even with all the issues we face, we can get there? Um, moderately. Moderately. I, I mean, science is a... If you take, take the biggest crisis we face, which is the climate crisis, we have all the solutions we need to fix it. The technology exists. I mean, there are a few, there are a few that need to improve, but fundamentally we have what we need to avert that crisis. And um, so, so in that regard, and the ones that we need to add on, they will come. You know, it's just a question of hard work and effort and intelligence, and, and you can get on and do it. Um, so I, I'm a big believer that science and technology, um, given the right sense of purpose, will solve a lot of problems for us, um, done carefully, you know. Uh, and, and that's that's despite the fact that many of the problems that we're facing have been caused by science and technology. But it, it's the it's the interaction between the science and society that tends to either generate the problems or slow up the progress. So uh, broadly speaking, I'm optimistic. The climate climate crisis uh, does worry me uh, a lot because we're massively running out of time, and there's a lot of inertia and deliberate dragging of heels from certain sectors that um, is really um, going to hurt. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if you take, you know, take, take other areas like healthcare, the, um, you know, the creation of the vaccines during COVID is extraordinary. I mean, that didn't happen overnight. That was, had 15 years of investment in a new technology. And then when we needed that technology, it was there for us. So I'm broadly optimistic that science and technology are forces for good and that um, if we put enough bright people into it, enthusiastic people, then, then it will keep delivering. Which takes me nicely on to my, my, my final question, which is the, uh, giving you the magic wand, a change? Oh yeah, yeah, um, magic wand. Um, 
I guess the magic wand would be to is to remove science's stigma, make it something that everyone thinks they can do and would want to do, and to sort of just yeah, because by doing by doing that, it would be used more and it would benefit everyone individually and it would benefit society broadly. So trying to get away from this notion that you know we talked about at the beginning that that, that it's for a certain type of person it's geeky it's not for me I can't do it you know if you could get rid of that I think that would be good and that it's not inconceivable to do it, it it's a it's about sort of making changes from cultural norms so it becomes unacceptable to sort of refer to people as boffins or mm-hmm. geeks things like that. I mean, you wouldn't refer to certain other types of people as sort of like word nerds, Mm-mm. would you? You know, oh, that author's a complete word nerd. You know, mm. you wouldn't do that. Um, so so there's, you know, it, it comes from the leadership, the people who talk about these things. Um, and it equally comes from, from the classroom as well. So yeah, I, I would like to just make science as acceptable as going out for a meal. You know, or going to the cinema, and that way it'll just become useful to more people and will make people's lives better. Thank you very much. It was great to hear from Simon. It's been interesting to hear about how the Science Festival has grown and developed over these last years. We will put a link onto the website in the show notes, and you can go if you want to find out more. Thank you for listening to Out and About in Melorians and I look forward to catching up next time.